0: Again, as I always say, it's, it's wonderful to be here this morning, especially to get to talk to people about something wonderful, a wonderful person, and it's it's it uh, just kind of joke around a little bit. When uh, the first uh, when we had the uh, Bible study, and then my lesson seemed you know it seemed like everything kind of interwoven and all, but this morning it's even better. Because Brother Clay's uh, songs talking about Jesus, how Jesus loved us. And then uh, Brother Sean he mentioned in his prayer about we don't have fear because of our, our Heavenly Father, Jesus. And then uh, Brother Mark talked to us a little bit in the Lord's Supper what Jesus had done for us and why He had done it and this morning. I just want to ask you a simple question Who is this man? Jesus. I'll be reading this morning out of the book of Mark. i the gospel of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And hopefully when we get through with it, we'll know a little more. And be a little clearer on this man, Jesus. <coughs> I said, I've seen a... I- this past week, I had to go up to Georgetown, South Carolina. And I seen some very nice boats. And it got me thinking. I even sent Brother Clay a picture of one. And it was comical. Small town of Derry. When I got back, I sent to get my fuel on. And and I sent Brother Clay this picture of this big contender with the 300 and all on the back of it. But when I laid the phone down and unhooked the gas and turned the pump off two more. A little old town of Derry and come by I said, you know, these boats are nice. I, I, I got talking to the guys, and I remember going offshore fishing a couple of times. It's a lot different. So I made a deal with my brother and told him he could fish offshore, I'll fish off the docks. But Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 41 tells about why I made that decision. Myself. The Gospel of Mark is revealing to the world who Jesus is. We have seen Jesus' power over... Unclean spirits. We've seen Jesus power over uh, diseases and sickness. The world that he has come to heal. Same thing with this virus that we have going around today. He's the one that's going to protect us from it. He's the one that's going to heal us from it and take care of it for us. We have to put it in his hands. He's got that power. We have listened to Jesus' parable, which were intended to challenge his audience, revealing what kind of heart the person who is listening to him possesses. Now Jesus has declared his power over Satan, describing that he has come to bind the strong man and plunder his goods, which was observed in casting out these unclean spirits. Mark is showing us who this Jesus is. Really is, and what this kingdom is that he brings to us? Mark chapter four, verse thirty-five through forty-one. And the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there also were with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. So that it was now full, and he was in the, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? <clears throat> we see from this account another amazing picture of Jesus We are told in this account that Eden had come, and Jesus desired to cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus leaves the crowd, and he takes his apostles with him in the boat. We know here it says that other little ships or small ships went with him. So we know that first century fishing boats kind of look like. archaeologists have found the sake of the Galilean boats around the Sea of Galilee, and the remnants of the first century boat had been dug up from the shore to sea. After I got to reading the story I got to thinking about it and all, I got into Google it. Google's helping me out a lot. But I have to be careful when I Google something. Who put that in there? And back our facts up. So when you want to know something, we Google it. Let's back the facts up and see where it's from. It's like watching a, a movie on TV that's based on the Bible. You no, know, just some of the thoughts is based on the Bible, not the whole thing. You have to be careful, but anyway, I've checked around through other things, and I feel kind of pretty confident with this. But it said that the typical fishing boat had a 15-person capacity, being about 26 and a half feet long, and about 7 and a half feet wide, and about 4 feet high sides on it. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody finds anything different, and I'd appreciate it. But anyway, but the main my main point of the story is a problem arises. A great windstorm arises and the waves are breaking into the boat that the boat is filling with water. The situation gets bad quickly. This is a dangerous situation. Now, I feel pretty confident that most of us have been in a boat. Most of us have probably been offshore in a boat. When your boat goes to filling up with water, it don't matter how far out you are, you know you're in trouble. Fear gets into your mind. But verse 38 tells us what Jesus is doing. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. As we stated, as we stated this is not a cruise boat where Jesus is many decks below down asleep. It's not a, a, giant, a real big yacht. The stern typically has a small place for a person to sit. So you can take a cushion, or some fishing net, or a roller rope, or anything like that, or a cushion, and make a pillar, or put it under you where you sat in a little shade from the sun. <clears throat> so I don't think that Jesus is on the lower deck or something like that. But let us also not miss what Jesus is doing. Jesus is sleeping. It's the only time I can find in the Bible. It talks about Jesus sleeping. and we have to really appreciate this. What that tells us is Jesus was like each and every one of us when he was in the flesh. Jesus is tired, just like each and every one of us get tired. Jesus can sleep. It tells us here that Jesus needs to sleep. He's not some kind of robot or something. But then back to our problem. The water is coming into the boat. The storm is raging. And Jesus is so tired that he's sleeping through this dangerous situation. And when I went offshore, the boat's rocking. I'm I'm looking around. I'm checking things out. I'm looking for water, making sure if the cooler's leaking or whatever. But here, the situation is so desired that notice what the the disciples say to Jesus in verse 38. Mark 4 and 38, it says, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, talking about Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You know, I can't go back to Peter and the fig tree. I'm going to ask myself, where have these people been? They've been with Jesus. But they ask him, carest thou not that we perish. Remember that some of these men are professional fishermen. They're not people who are in a boat in the middle of the sea and a storm arose and they didn't have any idea what to do. Many of these men knew exactly what to do. The Sea of Galilee is so large, that's not possible for them to swim to shore. Done some more Googling on it. <clears throat> and I found out that the Sea of Galilee is 8 miles wide, 13 miles long. The surface area would be 64 square miles. That's, that's a big lake. That's a big sea. Especially when you're in a boat and you're taking in water and the wind and the rain. But notice what these men tell Jesus. They do not say that they are in trouble or things are getting a little rough. They said they're going to die. The wind's howling, the waves are breaking into the boat, the water's filling into the boat. They're going to drown in this sea is what's going through their, their minds at this time. Now the text highlights this truth in verse 37, calling this a great windstorm. I don't even like to be in a great windstorm with my feet on the ground, more or less in a little rocky boat. But what Jesus does is amazing. Jesus does not wake up and start bailing water out of the boat. Jesus does not try to swing the sail a different direction to get, get out of the storm. Jesus does not start panicking like all the others in the boat. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be calm. In other words, to be quiet, to calm down. Now, how many times have we been out in this boat and it gets to rocking a little bit or maybe we got into a rainstorm that we say, Hey, rain, stop. See, calm down. You think that rain going to stop and that sea's going to calm down? But it did when Jesus said it. It shows you right there how great of a man he was when he was in our human flesh. Jesus is very powerful. He said, be calm or still. The wind stopped and there was a great calm. Can you imagine him just getting up? Everybody panicking and He just tells it to calm down and it stops. The wind was howling, the rain's coming down, the waves breaking into the boat, the boat's filling up with water and then suddenly the wind stops, the rain stops and the seas calm out and go flat. Imagine the looks in the eyes of these disciples. Imagine their faces and what they're seeing now. If they hadn't come to realize what a great person Jesus is I'm sure they all recognize it right now. But you know, we go a little deeper into it. It said there was other little boats out there along with them. I'm sure they wanted to know, gotta, hey, what happened? How did that all of a sudden stop? Jesus speaks, and nature obeys. Some people might say that's crazy. It's stunning. I said, it's wonderful. Jesus spoke and creation responded. That's when our question comes up with Who is this? Who is this man? Jesus. Jesus addresses his disciples in verse 40 and 41 of Mark chapter 4 when he says, And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared it seemingly and said one to another, What matter of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? If the wind and seas obey Jesus, don't you think each and every one of us better? There was something still that disciples did not fully understand that Jesus is teaching at this moment. Who then... Is this that the wind and the sea obey him? The scriptures have an answer to this. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 2. Isaiah 50 and 2 describes the exodus of the parting of the sea of the Israelites when they left Egypt as God rebuked the sea and dried it up. Now if you would flip over with me to Psalms chapter 89. Psalms 89 verses 8 and 9. And let's listen and see what the psalm says about this. <laughs> Psalms 89, verses 8 and 9. When it says, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord unto thee, or to thy foot of faithfulness around about thee, thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Then turn with me if we went over to Psalms 65. Psalms chapter 65, verses 5 through 8. I've written them down, but I want you to see we're reading them straight out of God's Word. Psalms 65, verses 5 through 8 tells us, By terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation. Who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth, and of them that are afar off unto the sea, which by his strength setteth, <clears> of <throat> mountains being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves and the turmoil of the people. They also that dwell in the othermost parts are afraid that thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoing of the morning and evening to rejoice. Flip over a little bit further now to Psalms 107. Psalms 107, verses 23 and 31. Psalms 107, verses 23 and 31 tells us They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these seed. The words of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mounted up to heaven. They go down again into the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the stormy calm, so the waves <clears throat> thereof are still. Then are they glad because they are quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired heaven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of man. That's Psalm 107 23 through 31. Does the scriptures here reveal that only the Lord steals the seas and quiets the storm. But not only must Jesus be the Lord, but these pictures of stealing. Stealing the sea and the storm of pictures of God's salvation and His rescue. God rebuked the sea when He led Israel from slavery to salvation. In Psalm sixty-five, the Lord is called our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth, as He is described in stealing the roaring sea. Now, in Psalm one hundred seven, we just read that the Lord delivers His people. "...from their troubles and distresses, and makes the waters quiet, bringing them to their desired haven." Now these are pictures of God's steadfast love to rescue and save His people. The Lord Himself has come to rescue and to save and to bring them to their desired rest with the Lord. And that's the same thing that He's going to do to each and every one of us, especially in times like we're facing right now. He's there to bring us safely to our desired haven. We have to have our faith and our trust in God. Then we, uh, we talked about the part about <clears throat> filled with great fear. As Brother Clay has said earlier, we all have times in our lives when we fear. But when we fear something, that's not saying that we don't have faith. <laughs> But this does not end in the way that we would expect, nor does this end the way we may want this to end. Disciples do not go up to Jesus, hug Him, tell Him that He really does care. Oh, we know you really do care about us. People make much of the question posed to Jesus. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The response is not to hug Jesus and to be filled with hope that Jesus does care. That is not the meaning of this event. To end our lesson on that tone would be completely misrepresent Mark's message. I do believe on this. Nor is the message to make comparison to Jonah, because there is truly no comparison here. Carefully read how this account ends in verse 41. This event ends for the disciples filled with great fear. The storm's over, the seas are comes. Verse 41 says that the disciples are filled with great fear. Why are the disciples afraid now? First, there was a great windstorm, which was now replaced by a great calm, which led to the disciples having great fear. And again, the question why are they afraid now that the wind has stopped and the sea has come? Why are they not filled with relief? Why are they not filled with joy? Why are they afraid? The disciples realize that they are in the very presence of God himself. This is always a reaction to realize that one is in God's presence. We see that Isaiah went in the vision of God's presence filled with fear recognizing his own sinfulness. Ezekiel falls on his face with the vision he sees of the throne of God. Daniel falls on his face The Apostle Peter, Paul, and John all fall down before the Lord Jesus at various times in their lives. What I want you to hear is the nearness of God in Jesus is pictured as an unsettling, not reassuring, even terrifying moment. Now what I mean is that yet this is with purpose. Fear is what makes faith possible. Fear is to lead to faith. This is what is happening at this moment in the boat. Fear was to make their faith possible. Understanding who has come near to us will create create the faith we need to have in Him. Let's back up just a moment to the Exodus account of the Israelites being saved from the Egyptian slavery as the sea parts. Come back with me if we go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14, verses 30 and 31. Exodus 14, verses 30 and 31 tells us, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the, the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptian dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Here it says that when they sing this great thing, they, they feared the Lord. But it also says they believed the Lord. In closing this morning, I want us to notice that Israel saw the great power of the Lord so they feared, and they believed in the Lord and in Moses. Now the disciples saw the great power of Jesus, and they feared. But what is that fear supposed to produce? This fear is to produce faith in Jesus. <clears throat> and we know that it does as we continue to read these accounts. We cannot have the faith God desires us to have in Him until we have come into His presence. And fully understand who he really is. Jesus is crossing the sea, like in Exodus, rebuking the sea and it <clears throat> obeyed. Jesus declares his power and lordship over heaven and earth. Excuse me. Doing only what God Himself can do. Knowing that Jesus has come near and had this change in his life. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18 tells us, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil word, and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It started off and said, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil word. What's he telling us? Don't fear. Let that fear desire in you strengthen your faith in God. This is what Jesus has come to do, and this is our hope. When we understand the immersed power of Jesus to rule over all nature and creation so that he can still tell the wind and the waves to stop, and they listen, we should fear at the prospect of being in His presence. But with a great power, Jesus came to save each and every one of us from every evil deed and to bring us safely into His heavenly kingdom. Our fear leads to faith because the exception of Jesus' power over the creation proves that He has the power to rescue us from our sins. And bring us home with Him. I've heard people make the comment that when I'm invited to church and everything, that if I go in the build, the church building, the roof's gonna fall down. I'm sure we've all heard that. They think that they are just so bad that Jesus can't can't save us, can't use us. And I stop saying, now wait a minute. What about old Saul? I ain't talking about King Saul, but what about old Saul? He was out actually killing people just because they were worshiping God." How much lower can you give? But Jesus saw that he was a good person. He forgave him of those sins. Just as he can forgive everybody of their sins today. Paul become a great speaker, a great messenger for God. know, someone that simple can be such a great messenger. Just think of what we can be if we give our hearts and our minds to God, let our fear, and there's a lot of fear going on now, produce faith in God. Because as I said, God has power even over death. He's this power to Jesus. He's our Savior. He's going to do everything to help save us. It's going to rely upon our part where we're going to spend our eternity. We have to believe in Jesus to bring us home to the Lord because He has power over everything and everyone. You see if Jesus is with me, it can be against Him. And all we have to do is, as our song invitation is, decide to follow Jesus. You may need to be baptized. If you've already been baptized, you may have stepped out of God's way. You need the prayers, the encouragement of the congregation. Whatever you need may be, we ask you to come forward at this time If we sing our song of invitation.